0: Hello and welcome to Q&A episode 136. I'm your host, Mike FCK, Wheels, and with me, as always,
1: Shocked that Wheels knew what number
2: it was. David McBurney, Fabio Master. And Wide Awake, while Wheels is certainly not, Mike Roker, Gajimi Okutari, from Sometimes Japan.
0: Sometimes I'm prepared.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, that might be the
0: first time in the last
1: hundred episodes, but...
0: <sighs> so, so. so, stream some yokai Watch Switch before we start Watch 1. Yo-Kai Watch 1, I should say. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's Yo-Kai Watch 1. Yeah, it's a pretty looking port.
1: It appears to play exactly the same.
0: Just about. The combat's a little weirder, because they changed some of the minigames, and I don't know, not having like the watch on the lower screen, it just feels a little weirder, like rotating the characters in and out. I don't know. It's weird.
2: That system was always kinda of bad. Yeah.
0: Whatever, man. It's <laughs>
2: it's a gimmick based on a gimmick. Yeah.
0: Awesome. yeah seems funny. Uh yeah, sure if that should come out to the US. I know they've only announced Yokai Watch four is coming to the US, so we shall see. Uh what have you guys been playing? Anything interesting? Uh,
1: just Dragon Quest. Okay. I have
2: been I've been very busy this weekend, so I've only just been puttering around with Magical Star Sign more. And I'm in the last I'm on the last planet with everyone at level fifty. The end is nigh. Let's see if I actually survive it this time. It's just like real
0: life. That reminds me I need to see if I still actually have my copy of that game.
2: If you want it in Japanese, I can get it. <laughs> <laughs> no but since it's uh, available in English, I think you should go with that instead. Yeah, no, that's, Good
1: that's morning, I'm gonna go with
0: it.
1: Uh, Sorry.
0: Yeah, I have in <laughs> continuing to play Alliance Alive H D, which is great. Mm-hmm.
2: If, and and, every, any changes everyone's... to
0: that? There seems to be was there a fast forward mode in combat in the original?
2: Uh yeah, I think so.
0: Okay. So yeah, it's the same, it's just prettier.
1: It's got it's on bigger screens now.
0: Yeah, but, uh, yeah uh
1: I guess we can start diving in if that's all. Yeah,
0: let's do some <laughs> questions.
1: haven't done much of those recently uh so let's see here's one from budai uh are there any games that turned out to not be how you had imagined them to be example before i played metal the metal gear solid series i thought they were just military call of duty style games i'd have to dig deep into like before i had extensive access to magazine and internet coverage
2: for that (laughs) I don't know. I mean, considering all the stuff I've played, I've had a few surprises here and there. Yeah, bad. Yeah. Um, but usually it was more along the lines of the story is not what I thought it was going to be or this game was not organized the way I thought it was. Hmm. So. Um, hmm. It was a good one then. Um, Kaikarenbo Ta- Monster Tactics. <laughs> where I did not quite realize going in that it was a team-based tactical RPG based on hide-and-go-seek. I mean, I kind of got the hide-and-go-seek part from the title, but didn't quite get exactly how far down the rabbit hole went. <laughs> Important hide-and-seek techniques. In seriously, it's still one of the best squad-based tactical, ga- tactical games I've seen. What was this for? Sounds like a... Game Boy Color. <laughs>
0: hmm.
2: Yeah wow and we still officially have the most media on this game for the entire english-speaking internet <laughs> because I managed to dra- because most other sites that reported on it when it first came out they only had a couple of screenshots from the top town nothing from combat and I fa- I managed to find Nintendo's very own website for this made back in like 99 or so and I grabbed all the like all four screenshots that they had and we have them now, listeners. You won't be able to see
1: this, but I'm watching and I'm enjoying watching Wheels slowly work through posting a gift to Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is where the magic happens.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm sure you've seen it, but I've been just like grabbing random bits of Alliance of Life completely out of context, and posting them on As Twitter. You As you do, and people seem to be really digging it, so. You keep doing that. Hopefully, Wheels is hopefully, Wheels is now the official
1: the damn game. Wheels is now the official alliance live ad sales department.
0: <laughs> <sighs> Somebody's got to be. It doesn't seem like Miss America is doing a very good job.
1: I think they're a little busy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Wheels. Do you, can you remember back to a period where you would not know what a game was until you'd started playing it? Or have a completely wrong perception of what it was. Um,
2: again, just walking into a game store over here with no idea what the, is on the shelf. I mean there's some You've games. Got a game
0: to with America. There's some games where I like didn't pay much attention or didn't really grab much from like the media, like natural doctrine. I had really no idea what to expect going into that thing. Mm. Um trying to think of anything else. But I mean even if it's something like I didn't necessarily watch a lot of gameplay videos or something like I'm thinking back to legend of Legend of Legacy like um, you know I didn't read or watch a lot about it, but just like, oh, this is this is very saga that kind of told me at least gave me a general idea so but, pretty much everything I have a general idea going in and, and it's really not too many crazy surprises, now.
1: Yeah, this feels like something that happened a lot more when you would just like look at a game on a shelf, which is why Gaijin has a bunch of stories like this and main mm. wheels do not.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> like this thing where it's like it was absolutely possible to not know something existed until you saw it in a store, and then you would look at the cover and try to
0: guess
2: what that meant. Yep, it's happened a few times. I mean, yeah. I mean, there was one game I got because it just had this cute little claymation-style art on the cover and had an interesting name, and I brought it home, and I realized that, hey, we already had a review for this for an English version. (laughs) The review was by Otterland. Oh, wow. Oh. So I just played this, and I reviewed it for the official... Site review, even though it was not the the uh, language of site, which is normally not allowed. So I asked Mac, and he's like, "I would be replacing an Otterland review as the principal review for the site." He's like, "Go for it." <laughs>
1: Absolutely reasonable in that context. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: Now I'm trying to think of what that game would have been.
2: It was um, Crusade. Um, it's like. Um, Oh, Knights Crusade or something like that. Uh, Guardians Crusade. Thank you, Guardians Crusade. Ah, uh, adorable cool. little game, known in Japan um, as Knight and Baby. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's actually called Knight and Baby. Naito is the main character's name. Yeah, they didn't change that in the English version. <laughs> they but changed. Uh, they, they, they actually spell it K N I G H T, or they spell it N A I T O.
1: No, no, they they spell it K N I G H T. But, yeah, I remember that. It was made by, like, TamSoft. hmm It was, like, yeah. I think it's self-published in Japan, which is, like, their one attempt yeah. to do that, and that didn't sell, so they didn't do that again, and now they make uh, Grindhouse games.
2: Mm-hmm. They'll figure. Yeah.
1: Living the dream. But, yeah. Oh, man. That does take me back to, like, PS1 era, where I would just... If it looked like an RPG, I would just buy it, because, I mean, like, who knows? <laughs> I like RPGs. What that's, could go wrong?
0: That's why I got In*.
1: That's why I got Saga Frontier. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> like, which was really the only time that I would have had enough time to penetrate far enough into it to understand how it worked well enough to actually learn to like it. So worked out pretty well. Uh,
0: that's that's a good good one, too, because I remember, remember playing it picking up that game, not really knowing what to expect and then the realization that oh, this relates to those Game Boy games I played, holy shit <laughs> <laughs> Let's
1: see I'm trying to think of other ones that I like, that was there was a period where I would just sort of grab things because, I mean, like hey, Square made that, I'll play Brave Fencer Musashi, I don't know what it's going to be, but I'll play it <laughs> That worked out well for me, too. Uh, A lot of the things that uh, didn't work out for me are things that have names like Shadow Madness, so, you know, when some lose some. Mm -hmm.
0: What was that early PS2 RPG? Evergrace or something? Oh, Evergrace. Oh, Evergrace. Why did you bring that back (laughs) (laughs) up?
1: That game was small. So bad.
0: Was I that a From Software joint?
1: It was a From Software game published <laughs> by Age Tech. Remember them?
0: <laughs> Vaguely, actually.
1: They, they barely exist anymore if they exist at all. I love that someone, for some reason, published Evergrace 2 in English, but they didn't want to if not. Well, the thing that was funny to me is, like, usually when you publish a sequel, you're doing it because, like, well, someone will recognize this. They did not want it to be clear that it was an Evergrace sequel, so they changed its name. (laughs) (laughs) It was published by Agetech. They published both of them, but they were like, if we sell this as Evergrace 2, no one's going to buy it. So they published it as Forever Kingdom instead. (laughs) And I mean, reasonable. That was that game was amazing because it was a party-based RPG, but your entire party shared one HP pool.
0: Uh, what? Why?
1: <laughs> Incredible. <sighs> All of the disadvantages of a single character action RPG with none of the advantages. <laughs> remember playing Epic Race for the first time like it was we'd gotten a PS2 and those were very rare at the time we had to g- do a lot of work to get that and we were just looking for an RPG didn't matter what it was just wanted an RPG and they were like well it's an RPG and we were, so that was the one we got and Immediately start running around. It's like, oh, this is better looking than PS1 games. This is neat. And then get to the edge of the. There's an edge at the first area, and that game has horrendous edge gravity. So we're walking up towards it and just immediately fall off game over. <laughs> Instant death. <Beautiful>.
0: Hmm. Wonderful.
1: <laughs> Don't recommend it. Uh, it appears, uh, as would be expected, that H-Tech is very likely defunct at this point. All of their games appear to have been removed from the 3DS eShop. So. Wow! Means so that they must be very special <laughs> kind of
2: defunct. <laughs> okay. They were a okay. off of the Japanese ASCII Corporation. Hmm. See any more Budai questions here? Oh, oh what I'm saying of course. I just look at this now, and of course, there's more.
0: It's a gaggle. There's lots more. A gaggle. Yeah.
2: Do you foresee a
1: price increase in gaming on next-gen platforms as far as software moving up? I think we've hit a point where everyone would much rather <laughs> sell you a game at a normal price and then bill you for money afterwards.
0: Yeah,
1: they yeah. don't want the sticker shock of a seventy-dollar game. Yeah. They barely walled the sticker shock. It was a $60 game. But, I mean, people are used to that, and they're not going to go down.
0: I mean, plus, we still got lots of... Indies kind of big right now. Assuming that continues, there will be plenty of cheaper games as well.
1: Yeah, I I think we're seeing a much greater diversity of how-to-price games than we've seen since, like, the PS1 era, where you would get a low-budget game that was just like, no, it's a
2: low-budget game, so it's $20. (laughs) Yeah, Like the simple 1500 series. Yeah, didn't those disappear even in Japan? Oh, I mean, they, they ended at the PlayStation 2 period. Yeah. They stopped making them for, um, or they made them through PlayStation 2 and DS. Yeah. Some of the series that got spawned by it, like Odene Chambara and Earth Defense Force, are still in existence. Yeah. They're not simple branded and they don't have. No. I mean, these. they were originally marketed through the simple brand just because uh, like something like they were almost finished when their main contract fell through or something and so they they were just picked up by mm. simple brand and marketed through that which is why they're the most
1: yeah i love the weirdness of, like the, the simple Branding could get you anything from a game that was just, like, the most bare-bones quiz show game imaginable to something that's just, like, complete nonsense and anything
2: in between. Or a um, mountain climbing strategy, real-time strategy RPG.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And some of these would get released in the U.S. The Simple fifteen hundred games did get released in the U.S. very late in the PS one's life, but they didn't have any sort of unified branding. They just came out at ten dollars. Yeah. So some of them are kind of okay. A lot of them are just very, very bad. (laughs) But it was neat that we got them at all. So Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I always like the starkness of the simple. Uh, titles and branding, so you just get things like The Swimming. Yep. Yeah, the Mahjong. Yeah, the Mahjong. The Gao Mahjong. Mm-hmm. Oh, we got Power Shovel. I remember the Power Shovel. <laughs> <laughs> one of those ones that's like, oh, why is this one decent? Oh, it's because it's based off of a Taito arcade game that they just licensed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's the mountain climbing RPG, Conqueror of the Silvery Peak. Yeah, that would be the one that I reviewed. Yeah, yeah. But yeah I, I, I would like the simple series to come back somehow. It can't, but I would like it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I would suspect that uh, AAA games are going to continue to find ways to uh, avoid increasing their sixty dollars base price, and instead find ways to get money to extract money from people who've already paid that, Mm -hmm. which is the very core of the loot loot box paradigm. Mm -hmm. I think that's also why you've seen developers get less uh, concerned about used game sales because they just want those games out of stores so that someone is buying loot boxes or microtransactions off of them. So. Like, it doesn't make sense to try to lock them out now. You, Those are just a potential revenue source. The person who sold the game obviously wasn't going to buy more. So, I think that's why you've seen developers stop trying to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess as a related question he asked what do you envision the PS5 launch price as? What is a sweet spot where the machine sounds affordable versus too much?
2: $100 pro- dollars below whatever the next Xbox generation's price is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That'll work out well for them if they manage to pull that one off again. I would suspect both of them try to launch at $400 which seems to be where consumers have kind of said that's as much as I'm willing to
2: pay.
0: It'll launch I mean, at $600. Isn't
2: that, isn't that what actually happened with the PlayStation 3, though? It's like, they waited until they heard what the 360's price was going to be, and then they changed the thing on their presentation right before the presentation? No, no.
1: That's, uh, the PS3, they came out with way too much hubris and
2: uh, overshot the 360 by $200. Uh, okay, never mind. might must have been the PS4. Then I remember hearing that yeah. they did it at one point.
1: Uh, yeah. like the, the infamous one is, of course, the saturn in the ps1 where mm-hmm. the saturn had its price revealed and then like uh, an hour later there was a sony press conference where they just when the price came up they just had a new representative come out say 299 dollars, and then leave <laughs> yeah uh, yeah uh i, th- I think 400 dollars is probably the price they'll shoot for whether that's ideal or not it seems to be the one that consumers are willing to sort of truck with, once you hit $500, there's this kind of sticker shock of like, this is really expensive.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, What was I going to
1: say? Yeah. uh, I also think,
0: I think, sorry not to interrupt, but I think they're going to need to do a bit more with the PS5 too, because really, you look back at it and the PS4 coasted along, not because it's this amazing system with a long list of like excellent features it's because they they, they, everyone
1: else pissed down their leg (laughs)
0: yes (laughs) they didn't shit all over themselves like microsoft did i mean that's that's about it
1: that's (laughs) kind of historical sony though i mean like the ps1 is a good system but it's not an amazing system it's a system where like sega shut down its leg (laughs) Mm -hmm. and N64 came in too late and too expensive to manufacture media for, yeah. and I think that's kind of the history of Sony's successes. Now that they make is that they're usually quite consistent. PS3, notwithstanding.
0: <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Man, I was really fascinated looking up uh, a few nights ago the history of the uh, 3DO slash Panasonic M2. And what they were trying to do with that, that was a strange attempt. Uh, Very much a Panasonic trying to buy further into gaming in the wake of the PS1. And then it all fell apart because they didn't have any sort of developer relations. (laughs) Good times, good times. Uh, Very interesting for anyone uh, who wants to go digging through the history of the late 90s also-ran console era. (laughs) That was the period of every electronics giant at least attempts to get into video games in some fashion. But, I mean, who wouldn't trust their Philips-branded gaming multimedia device? (laughs) Anyone who ever played one?
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: Oh, man. Oh, yeah. There's also... uh, was reading about the Pioneer Laser Active and how in danger all of its games are. Because uh, in case you've never heard or played a Pioneer Laser Active, which, thank God if you haven't, because there's basically no good games for it, but it's interesting in a preservation standpoint, it was a LaserDisc player that you could insert modules to play uh, PC Engine and Mega Drive games. And okay but you could also get specially formatted laser discs that used each of those systems, which also meant that they were not intercompatible. So you could get like a laser, you could get a pioneer laser active with a mega drive attachment and put in a PC engine formatted L- laser disc and it would just refuse to play. <laughs> uh, but they were just, they were the very typical of like 1993 FMV games, uh, like rail shooters and that sort of nonsense, but they use very special. Like putting actual game data on a laser disc was done in a very strange fashion, and the only way to actually store these games is to do it via like ripping out all of the analog video data—that's the laser disc video data—and converting it to digital along with the digital stream of actual game data. And, like, there's very few, very specialized machines that actually do that. Which is important because laser disks are starting to succumb to disk rot. Mm. Uh-huh. And a lot of those games aren't ripped.
2: Mm. So, yeah. So, uh, a lot of them are going to go extinct.
1: There is, there is a machine that exists specifically to do this kind of data duplication that exists because of a very strange one-off experiment, uh that the BBC made that they needed to, therefore, preserve. But, yeah, that's that's the
2: current state of this very strange niche. And this is like this the
1: opposite of the PlayStation 5.
2: <laughs> does this mean that the LaserDisc versions of the Star Wars original trilogy are going to disappear eventually? Uh, yes, because of the way of disarray.
0: No!
1: the physical glue that holds a CD to a CD or a laser disc together will eventually uh, break down, which causes them to slowly uh, lose cohesion and break. Uh, right. Which is very strange. I mean, like it, it puts us in this strange position where uh, laser discs and CDs will actually probably last a lot less long than a well-preserved tape. <laughs> Very strange. I always thought of them as a much more ephemeral medium because I just remember tapes breaking a lot. <laughs> yeah. Archival mediums are interesting, actually.
0: Well, since you yeah. brought up Star Wars, can I talk about Star Wars for a minute?
1: I mean, Jaws was never my scene and I don't like Star Wars, but okay.
0: You don't like Star Wars?
1: I was making a Queen reference. Uh,
2: I
0: was
1: going to
2: say, that's the song Bicycle. Uh, yeah, Bicycle. Bicycle. Drivers. I want to run, and I don't like Star Wars. I don't. Yes,
1: I don't want to be a candidate for Vietnam or Watergate. What Star Wars did you want to bring up?
0: So my son is obsessed with General Grievous. So he kept asking me to what to put on these the only the only Star Wars that has General Grievous is the wonderful, wonderful and enjoyable Revenge of the Sith.
2: Could watch uh, the Clone Wars, the Gandhi Tarakovsky one. Like Clone Wars has yeah. him a lot too.
0: I, yes, I have to wait for Disney Plus because I don't want to buy all those seasons right now.
2: No, not the uh, not
0: the CG one. Oh yeah, I've shown him. I've shown him the other one on like YouTube and stuff. Okay, is not sufficient.
1: <laughs> yeah, the Gandhi Tarakovsky one is
0: good. He <laughs> is badass. <laughs> Oh my
1: God. It's very it was very strange seeing him in that film, having never watched those at the time and just being like, Who's the asthmatic with the too many lightsabers? <laughs> he's a very he's a big non sequitur if you just watch that film.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean that was a trilogy that was formed mostly of non sequiturs.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things. Like, there's not enough material in that story for three movies. It was just three movies because that's what that was. Star Wars. Yeah,
0: <laughs> you could just delete the second movie altogether and the first. You could kind one. of delete the Wait, first really. one. The first one's most, not doing
2: most viewing orders delete the first movie. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's not
1: really adding any. Like, you could you could compress that story into a satisfying three act structure in one film, but.
0: No, I kind of enjoyed the cut of the first film that um, turns Jar Jar into a um,
2: Sith Lord. <laughs> Not that one.
0: <laughs> that sounds kind of awesome, but no. And they huh? replace his voice with this like random alien noise and have subtitles. Almost make it.
2: Well, did you ever see the? Um, there was a web. There's a web com- sort of a web comic series called Darts and Droids. Oh man! They just take screenshots from the movies and. They put it together with dialogue that makes it seem like this is actually a some sort of sci-fi fantasy role-playing game, being played out by different people. Oh my God! Switching characters back and, forth. and so the character, the um, the person playing Jar Jar Binks, is actually one player's eight-year-old little sister who gets <laughs> dragged along because they couldn't get a babysitter. Nice. And so, um, and so half of the really weird stuff in the original, in the prequel trilogy. Happens because they just let her describe it.
0: Uh,
2: yeah. That and R two D two is played by the Munchkin style power gamer.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh man. But yeah, this cut also completely removes the whole section where they go like underwater and go through the planet's core.
1: Can't believe you got rid of Boss Nash.
0: Completely removed. Eh, what the heck else is it? I think it also... I think uh, Sebulba also gets replaced with, like, an alien voice in subtitles.
1: I'll probably make him come off a little cooler. Yeah. yeah, See, how long even was episode one? Because that's already trimming off, like, ten minutes.
0: I think that cut was, like, 90 minutes or slightly less. And then I tried to watch a similar cut for for episode two, and it was still god awful. (laughs) Yeah, like the boring. So boring.
1: The the core plot of that just doesn't work because there's no chemistry between its romantic leads, and what they're doing doesn't feel right.
0: It's funny because, like, in my mind, remembering back the sequels, I'm like, oh, that's the one I actually enjoyed. And then when I finally that's weird. Well and when I finally went back and like watched it and like, oh, I'm remembering the last ten minutes of this movie <laughs> That's all I remember.
1: <laughs> I remember watching that film on DVD because a friend had invited me to see episode three with him on opening night and I was like, Yeah, sure that sounds like a fun time. So you know, I decided to finally watch that, and I could not maintain watching it. I just sort of let it sit in the background while I did something else.
0: Because <laughs> it, it was just a boring movie. Yeah. Yeah, I remember going like, to see Episode 3. Like It was, like felt like out of obligation, not because I actually wanted to see it.
1: Like episode 3 is probably the best of them, but...
0: Oh, I would argue it definitely is, mostly because it's most of its action so even though there's lots of stupid anakin going on there's at least like entertaining spectacle
1: well, it's also it's actually building up to something
0: yeah <laughs> and and the fight with the anakin obi-wan fight is pretty good so there's there's that yeah.
1: in conclusion uh re-release star wars knights of the old republic on all modern consoles
0: yes please Espe- yes. especially switch
1: yes you put it on phones, you bastards! I know you can do it.
0: Uh, I think it's, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think that was done by Aspire, who also did the port of um, Jedi Knight Two to Switch. So I imagine they they are actually working on more Switch ports.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, Aspire did did a pretty good job on that mobile port, as I recall. It even had controller support back when I didn't expect that to happen in phone
0: No They they are uh, a long-time Mac uh, porting house, so that's their bread and butter.
1: I can't believe that you went inside Mac gaming. (laughs) (laughs) Uh.
0: Listen, I know things about the Macs and the Mac
1: uh, let's see. Uh, let's hit another question before we get too in joking. Uh, uh, what factors went into Japanese gaming having a resurgence on home consoles
2: this gen? Uh, the Switch being effectively a home console that you can carry around. Mm. That's uh, in terms
1: of selling a console in Japan that was a huge one, but I think he's also talking about how like the Japanese profile the, the profile of Japanese games in the West has gone up considerably since they' nadir in the ps3 era. And I think mm. a lot of that just has to do with the fact that like what companies survived the winnowing of that have learned how to make games in market. HD <laughs> it's
0: look, of at, look at uh, Capcom.
1: Yeah. Well, Capcom was actually always pretty good at that. I mean, MT Framework. Like, in when the 360 PS3 era started, there was this period where every Japanese company was like, "We're gonna make our own engine that's gonna power all our games," and Capcom's MT Framework was like the only one that actually did. <laughs> Remember the joys of listening to Square talk about how powerful Crystal
2: Tools was gonna uh, be. Squeaky. And how it was going I mean, to... To be fair, Gust managed to do it as well. Yeah, sure. Gust managed to do it as well. But but they didn't really they didn't really toot their own horn about, oh, we created our own engine or anything. It's just they just kind of used the same engine for seven or eight games straight. Nine games yeah. straight. Yeah. Maybe ten games straight. I'm not quite sure at this point.
1: Gust was also in a position where they were often making very similar games, whereas like Framework was surprising because it was actually being used to make a lot of different kinds of games. But yeah, that's one of those situations where like a lot of a lot of them a lot of Japanese companies also kind of took to certain forms of middleware. I mean I think Epic got better at supporting uh, supporting Unreal Engine in languages that aren't English, <laughs> which is also very important. Uh but, yeah, I mean, like, I'm just looking at the list of games that use Crystal Tools. Final Fantasy 13, Final Fantasy 14, Final Fantasy Thirteen 2 Final Fantasy Thirteen 3 Dragon Quest X. That's all of them. <laughs>
0: wow. Dragon Quest X, really?
1: Yeah, I, I, I guess it was just at the time, at the right time. But it was very much, uh, I remember when the 360 version of... Uh, when they, before FF13 came out Which was to be the debut of the engine When the 360 version Of uh, FF13 was announced They were tooting their own horns About how that engine was so good That they'd be able to port the game in a matter of hours <laughs> Which was uh, Quite a quite sure. bold claim Bold claim, bold claim Probably not born out But we don't know much about When that version started development But, yeah, it was, I mean, uh, the increasing ubiquity of third-party frameworks and companies getting better at using them definitely helped a lot as well. And just generally, like, moving away, like, the companies that survived sort of moved away from the idea that the path to success was to imitate Western games. Mm. Yeah like that's that's the real nadir of basically everyone's output is whenever they shift to like westerners like this
2: so if we do this that's how you can get stuff like the golgo 13 movies (laughs)
1: listen Golgo 13 is its own pile of
2: (laughs) i i just i just remember watching one of those movies in as part of a japanese studies course in college and the overall opinion afterwards was that they had taken the James Bond plotline, ripped out ninety percent of the plot, and filled the rest of it in with sex. Yeah, like Coco was weird. Because apparently that was what the focus group said that Americans liked in their movies. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure. Like, and while they were not quite wrong, it was still not a good movie. Yeah,
1: I mean there's a lot of Gogo 13 movies and some of them are better than others, but I mean like Gogo 13 is also something that would have been made in the wake of James Bond because it started in
2: 1968. Oh, it's definitely um inspired by but at the same time it's not nearly as good, especially when they were focusing on trying to catch an American audience.
1: Oh, absolutely. Like as as tends to be the case, like trying to make something for an audience that you don't really understand and just going off of what you think they like tends to end very poorly
0: Mm -hmm.
2: but Uh, yeah Maxino yeah that's Uh, that's almost certainly something that happened there
0: Yeah, I'm going to bring up Capcom again though because I remember in like the 360 PS3 games they were doing lots of like generic western E games and it all kind of sucked I did a pretty good job
2: of it at least
1: you can lay most of those at the feet of KG Inafune, <laughs> who was uh, very, very into the idea that Capcom's uh, internal development was so far behind that it basically needed to be shut down entirely and everything contracted out to Western studios. So, Great. Mm, nope. author author of a lot of bad choices.
0: But, yeah, but Cap- hey, a
1: hundred Mega Man games. <laughs>
0: I mean, Capcom had plenty of good games during that period. Uh, Dragon's Dogma. Dragon's Dogma, characters. Resident Evil 5. Yeah. But then... And it's
1: just almost all the games that were just their Japanese division doing what they do.
0: Yeah. And <laughs> lo and behold, that's I all mean, they're doing nowadays and it's working out pretty well. <laughs> it's all the people so, wanted.
2: Even when you can safely say that Dragon's Dogma was them attempting to emulate or at least um, channel the spirit of the Elder Scrolls.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but... Dragon's Dogma is interesting because like, it is channeling that spirit, but it's not a direct imitation so much yeah. as taking inspiration, which is, I think, the key yeah. difference a lot of these, like, really bad ones ended up being these situations where someone was directly attempting to imitate. Whereas, like, you'd occasionally get something like Binary Domain, which is very clearly inspired by Western shooters at the time. It's by, from the Yakuza team, but it's got its own spirit to it that makes it interesting where a that's lot of the other... the
0: Yakuza team?
1: Yeah, it was Ryu Ga Studio. Huh.
2: Oh, so if you want something that's really weird about the Yakuza team, Hero Bank. <laughs> Uh, oh one man. of these days I'm going to play those games. I'm trying to remember what
1: jobs they've announced for Yakuza 7. Because it has a job
2: system. Star was one of them. Oh, God, I love that it has a job system.
1: Okay, I'm trying to work out what jobs it has. Um. Okay, you've got the host class, you've got dancer. And you get different costumes depending upon what class you're in. <laughs> it's uh <laughs> There's no words for how just like how much Yakuza 7 somehow collided with someone's love letter to old JRPGs <laughs>
0: <laughs> also it has Mario Kart
1: in it for some reason
0: um, wh- uh, what there,
1: there's a go-karting minigame sweet Yakuza 7 is all things to all people by all appearances
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> uh,
1: weird Play it next year, Yakuza Like a Dragon. Like Available for dragon. your PlayStation.
0: Ooh.
1: No, no.
2: <laughs> we are not Somewhere doing. We just need to come up with a good filk list. I mean, we got Like a Dragon, we've got My Rorona, Devil <sighs> <Survival>. I know, <laughs> I know that the Privateers did that one years ago. Yeah. yeah. And of course, I had Desperoido for one of the Metal Next games. Oh,
0: I'm so <laughs>
2: my day is ruined yes and oh uh, I was thinking of one random one a while back it was actually for some reason the other day I w- do you remember the game Zillowill yeah Zillowill Zillow. well I, I played the original Super Famicom one a while back but for some reason I was in a sl- I mean okay so I was coming back from the Daddy daughter day out on the peninsula, and on the bus, and everyone was conked out, and my brain was going weird right before I, it shut down for the drive home, and I was just thinking, zil 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 zil, and I was actually trying to come up with lyrics to match to Duke of Earl. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, especially I mean. since I've never heard the original song in its entirety. I just heard the the like parody slash homage from the. From the Pound Puppies movie back in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, my memory for music is weird. This weekend
1: dating ourselves.
0: <laughs> I'm not old. You're old. Uh,
2: Ooh, I am young. Different song. You're older than you've ever been. And now you're even older. And now you're even oh, older. And this. now you're even older. No, yes. Stop. Hey, they might. Yeah.
1: Let's see, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to work out if I'm thinking of the same thing as you because like Zillow is the one I'm thinking of, Z I L L O apostrophe, apostrophe L. Yeah, Zillow L. Yeah.
2: yeah, there was a there was a second one made for like PlayStation something or Xbox or something that looked completely different. Trinity I mean, Souls Odyssey of Zillol. That, that was on the was only one we
1: got in English the Yeah,
2: the original appears to have been a PlayStation game. Oh really? Yeah. 1999 Koei, I guess. Okay, wait a moment. Um, Weird. Uh, For some reason, I thought it was Super Famicom. Mm. Yeah, that's. Man,
1: 1999 Final Fantasy knockoff that we didn't get. That seems weird.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
2: Apparently, it wasn't that good. Apparently there's a PS2 one. Yeah, Trinity was the one I was thinking of. Trinity uh, is the PS3 one. Oh, the PS3 one. Yeah.
1: There's a PS2 one apparently called Civil Infinite.
2: Oh, no, that was the remake, or the re- uh, re-release, I think. Was it? No?
1: Hmm. Uh, it's it's considered
2: a remake, apparently. And okay. then that remake got ported to PSP. <laughs> yeah. I, I just remember Trinity was the one that I reported on for Japan Demonium, and thinking, I know this title. What do? Oh, heck, I do know this title. Oh, okay, why? Why did they re? Why did they make another one?
1: It was a weird thing to
2: bring back because it didn't seem like anyone cared
1: before or after.
2: <laughs> I mean, this was KoA doing it, so they may have just noticed that they still had this title, the, they still had owned the IP, and they thought we sh- they should do something with it. I'm excited for them to do that again with Blade Storm, the Hundred Years More. No, I'm just waiting for them to do it again with Beyond the Labyrinth and port it to something that... Yes, please.
0: Awesome.
2: Speaking of which, ha- have you been enjoying that one?
0: <laughs> yes, I haven't had the chance to play it in a while, but it's quite strange and entertaining.
2: Okay,
1: well... My entire joke just backfired because they already did that. They released Bladestorm again on the PS4 and Expo a few years ago.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I thought you were asking for, like, a newer part Oh, my dear, I,
1: I, make, I was making a joke. <laughs> I'm so unhappy. Oh, okay, okay, I'm, I'm going back in time. We're rewriting that joke to be about Warriors Legends of Troy. In Japan, as Troy Muso. Oh, I remember seeing that one. Okay. Just love that, Troy Muso.
0: Sounds like the name of a football player.
1: (laughs) Troy Muso, League MPP.
2: (laughs) Uh, Let's look at the. Let's go back to questions. So, next question. Is Earthbound under or overrated? I'm thinking Earthbound does not quite exist on the same axis as most other games.
1: It's... Like, if you look at it just as a gameplay experience, it's terrible. Well, it's not terrible, but it's not very good. But, I mean, like, it's unique, and that makes it
2: hard to over or underrate. It's not a great RPG, man. It it definitely had its issues. Uh, I remember playing through... Um, through Earthbound Super, um, Super Nintendo and accidentally kind of getting stuck in a late area with only the home run hitter oh baseball no. bat the one that has the an incredible bat. critical rate but an also an equally incredible miss rate <laughs> I think localized to the so bat you, yeah something like that and it's like you, if you hit something with it and succeed in hitting it's probably dead but it's the matter of hitting it and I never actually got past that area I think I buried all of the braveries, which braveries yeah. are the, braveries or the MP, are the uh, like NPC party members that you can recruit to help you get through. And every time you get wiped out, you get taken back to their village, and you find another grave and one fewer <sighs> graves. So, um, yeah, because I think it's supposed to be all inside his head. So those are yeah. like his personal bravery. Yeah. yeah. Wow.
1: That that really does sum sum up the uh, the long and short of your bad experiences. That like, oh, I managed to get myself almost irrevocably stuck. But also, think about how crazy the scenario
2: I just described is. (laughs) Yes, I mean it is it is so much of an experience that you're willing to overlook a lot of the um, downsides, and it's also got so many interesting and innovative features that got added to later games in the genre it's or one never those, did, like being able to run over weaker enemies mm-hmm. it's one of
1: those games where like I am glad I played through it and I respect it a lot but there's very little that would ever pull me back to play it again so Unless eventually just,
2: I'm going to have to play Mother three yeah I
1: got like three or four chapters into that and I need to pick it back up one of these years <laughs> It's interesting. It's very much the same kind of idiosyncratic, which I mean, I mean it's what considering you want. that
2: was the entire charm of the of the series. Yeah, if they'd done anything else, it would have started a fan riot. I've heard that Japanese fans actually
1: are kind of split on Mother Three, but that's just secondhand.
2: Well, I'm, I would not be surprised if they were. <laughs> Uh, but if you want to make them 100% not split against it, change it away from the weirdness formula. True, true. Oh, what
1: was I going to say? Yeah, that was, that's one of those ones where, like, I think that one of the chapters is basically designed to be kind of irritating, and, like, that's very much the, like, yep, that's, Etoi uh, wants to drag a feeling out of you, and he will find a way to do it. <laughs> but. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, like it's it's a game like I I don't think I could play it more than once every like 10 years, but it's it's hard to really de- declare it over or underrated because like the, the people that care way too much about it will probably give you a very strange picture of what that game is. But if you just approach it with the knowledge that it's a very unique game that has some flaws, I think that there's still a lot to be wrung out of it so
2: depends upon how whether you're hanging out on starmen.net or not <laughs> and honestly if you are hanging out on starmen.net you probably are really 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 into the game yeah oh man i think
1: uh i, th- I think i remember i'm remembering like a hard time hard drive article that was just like a a uh, huge mother fan excited to finally play the game for the first time. <laughs> Which was kind of...
2: A, kind of <laughs> A fan of the game who had not yet played the game. Yeah. That was... Okay, that's, that's right up there with some of the people who were protesting the reviews for Star Ocean 3 back in the day. Like for, the... Uh,
1: yeah, like, like hard, hard Drive being basically an, an Onion-style thing, but it was very much like Keyed into uh, that kind of person that existed. Oh, okay, I thought
2: you were serious. Um, yeah, no, no. It's, it I was, mean, it's, I have I have seen fans like that before.
1: Yeah, like it, it was keying into a certain kind of person that had sort of fallen in love with the game's aesthetic back when you couldn't buy it for love nor money. <laughs> like, I definitely met people who were like that. <laughs> but yeah, like that. Yeah, I just that 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 uh, headline always sticks with me. A huge Mother fan, excited to finally play game for first time. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Let's knock out the rest of guys' questions on the Uh uh-huh. As a sister point to an earlier question, can you think of any games that had a difficult time showing off what they were, or even some that were maybe falsely marketed themselves as something they weren't? Uh, well, we did just talk about Earthbound, which was a game that was impossible to market at the time because it was a game built around nostalgia being marketed on a system that was primarily owned by 10-year-olds.
0: Yes. Um,
2: hmm. Hmm. The thing is, I mean, a lot of the ones I was thinking of for the first question, I never saw any marketing for them, so I do not know how they were presented. I can I think mean, of... I mean, like, if we're just going like by material available on the box, I once picked up Langonian Gothics thinking it was an RPG because that's what it said on the box and it's not. <laughs> and it played it played more like a lollygoth Pac-Man clone. What Exactly. You were running around a maze trying to avoid monsters and you couldn't even fight back at first. And um I mean, most of the plot was front-loaded at the very beginning, and something like, oh, you can do this, you can do this, and you can do this, and go run. Um, it was certainly not an RPG. <laughs> do not conflate this. Yes.
1: I was thinking of, uh, like, one of the infamous ones would be the. Final Fantasy VII sort of had to misrepresent what it was to get into people's houses. Because, I mean, like, the famous ad for it in the West was an ad that had no gameplay footage whatsoever. It was entirely CG.
2: Yes, and I I remember the last line was, And if you lose, you can always hit the reset button. That was the last line of of the commercial. Very 90s. Very, very 90s. Very. But,
1: oh man, I remember... There was uh, an old episode of the Retronauts podcast uh, that had someone remarking that they worked in a game store when that game came out, and they mentioned that they got a return on that game with the statement, with the customer saying that the reason they were returning it was that they didn't realize that the game had a reading in it. Which is a little sad. A little
2: sad. That's something that. that you just... Frame, that you take a photo and frame it just to prove that it happened, because it's...
1: Yeah, but it's also one of those things where it's like, the degree to which you had to misrepresent an RPG to make it unclear that it had text in it was impressive.
2: I mean, the degree that you have to be an idiot to
1: even think that. Yeah, well, it's uh, people didn't know what Final Fantasy was, in terms of most of the people buying that, so... Yeah. Very strange. Very very you it would be impossible to blindside people that hard
2: with the game at this point. Yeah. But, right. Hello, world's cutest co host. Hi. Okay, I will continue to rock you some more. There we go. Jesus. She's been a very good girl so far. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. No, We can hit this one real quick.
1: Did you or anyone you know ever dress as a video game character for Halloween? Yes. Yep. It was me.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you count... Uh, det- what was his name? Detective Looker, or whatever his name was from Pokemon 4th Gen.
1: Yeah, Looker is... Looker, Looker who has... Actually, appeared in every game since.
2: <laughs> yep. So yeah, I was him for one for one Halloween. Nice. Just wore my usual trench coat and had my very large stuffed pig dressed up as a pokeboo or a Tepig. Nice. And had a couple of pokeballs hanging from the belt. When That's anybody good. asked, I just said that I was look I uh, was Detective Looker in disguise. That's good. So and I didn't that. actually change my hair or shave the beard or anything that time. Yeah. Let's see,
1: I was a succession of video game characters. It was basically all I ever dressed as, because that was uh, what I cared about. <laughs> uh, which ones? Uh, variously Mario, Link. Uh, let's see. Oh man, like I didn't dress for Halloween for like it. Like I stopped fairly young, so like I. Like, those are the ones that stick out the most because I remember the amount of work that went into making them. But I'm trying to remember what else I would have actually dressed as. I'll mention if I can remember. What about you, Wheels? You're conspicuously silent.
0: Not really. I wore uh, a Mario Odyssey hat one Halloween. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that counts. You were possessed
0: by Cappy. True. So, That's
1: about uh, it, though. <laughs> were you not the dress-up-for-Halloween kind, or was it just that you were dressing up as ghosts or something?
0: No, I was never really big on dressing up for Halloween.
1: Yeah, I think I, I spent a lot more Halloween sitting outside, making sure that no one was going to bother anyone inside, than uh, and handing out candy than I did actually going out to get them. <laughs> in the dream. But, yeah. <laughs> um, we've got a couple more questions from the most recent episode, but I think I kind of would prefer to leave them for seed and hope that we have more next time so that we don't uh, run ourselves completely dry.
2: Sure. Okay. I figured we would just be stopping here at the end of this one. Sure, sure. So... Don't worry,
1: uh, Shaman, and also Budai again. <laughs> we have not forgotten your questions. We will get them next week.
0: Yes. Yes. And
1: Otherwise, uh, I think that's about it for us, unless we got something else we want to discuss.
0: Well, uh, Baby is coming next week.
1: Oh, okay, maybe we won't be next week, the week after.
0: Yes, no, uh... <laughs> two weeks it, later. I mean, that'll be two days before, so I, next week we'll probably be on schedule that is normal.
1: And then after that, it's going to become touch-and-go for a while. Uh,
0: well, my thinking is we're going to record as normal, and, well, you guys might have to carry for for a bit if I have to step away. But we'll, That's fine. We'll, that, that's my plan is to... We'll just continue. Hey,
1: Wheels. What if we recorded a bunch at once? <laughs> Pre-record. Let me just let me just tell you about the last few times Wheels has had childs. <laughs> <laughs> Never gonna stop giving you shit over that, man.
0: <laughs> I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> Like
1: we would be like, okay, we gotta record some, so that you'll be able to take some time off, and then you would just put them up
0: the next night. It's true. It's just like, oh, they were all edited, so I post
2: them. <laughs> yeah, wheels, and then you went and like spent a week and a half without posting things at times, and yeah. schedules, dude. schedules, routines.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: We've been we've been saved from the pod from the podcast capsizing on itself just by the fact that Gaijin has an actual schedule to adhere to. Yes.
0: Well, and the thing is too with this baby is we're stressing, keeping, keeping the kids on their usual routine. So I should probably stick to my own routine as well. So I'm gonna keep the yes, on you should as normal. Yes.
2: Yes.
1: here's to hoping but if something goes wrong you now know why
0: yes so uh, yeah. as these things can go we have a planned c-section but that doesn't mean that the <laughs> baby will be like hey I'm good to go now so
2: or we'll oh happens. damn my wife is going through triage and it's the wrong level
0: Yeah. oh no. oh, oh. dear that, that was a fun
2: night yes it was <laughs> yes I get to tell you and your big sister about that sometime, yeah.
1: (laughs) That's going to be one of those stories that they carry with them for the rest of their lives.
2: (laughs) Yeah, because, I mean, it is literally for the rest of my older daughter's life. (laughs) Yeah. From the very start, (laughs) even.
1: Uh, But, yeah. So, questions in the usual places. We will do our best to maintain schedule. Uh, Anything else we want to bring up? I, I think wheels might die if we continue, so.
2: Yeah. Um, I'm almost through with editing the second paperback collection. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there, there was a small issue with the proof copy where I realized that, hey, I hadn't actually put in page numbers. Ah, uh, yeah,
1: that'll that'll come up when you're actually looking at a book.
2: Whoops. Yep, and um, put, putting in the footers, footer space for page numbers ended up increasing the length of the book by 20 pages. <laughs> more value for you. <laughs> Which means that a lot of my spacing, um, or a lot of the things I had done for spacing and generally keeping pages at mostly the same length across the book had to be redone. I love, don't you just love that kind of last minute shuffle? Yes. Oh, plus I just had to get the, the cover, um, widened by about 0.5 millimeters. Mm. Because it was no longer usable. Oh, boy. Yeah. When it rains, it pours. Yeah.
1: But yeah, so keep an eye out for that. Probably slightly delayed by that. <laughs> but uh, otherwise, uh, questions in the usual places, and see you, Space Cowboys. Yeah.